Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host in Grand Junction, Colorado, and somewhere in the wilderness in Pennsylvania in a cabin hiding a body from the authorities is our guest, Caleb Jack. So, Caleb, I know we talked about this before during a phone call. When you have to move a body, it's it's much easier to cut that body up into five pieces and bundle them all together and pick up the tarp than to try to move the dead body all in one piece. Did did that help any with your excursion to the wilderness of Pennsylvania? I think I was disposing of a dog body the other day when we had that conversation, but that was not in Pennsylvania. But yeah, this would probably be a decent place to put one because I, I, I doubt that anybody can get to it before the black bears. Yeah, it. it's a place where the buses don't run, so to speak. Right. So Caleb is out of town. He's at a wedding in Pennsylvania. He and I were supposed to be on, I think, two weeks ago, but we ended up having a libertarian... Uh, senatorial candidate uh from the state of colorado uh brian piotter on so that was a great one hope everyone got to tune in so caleb and i pushed this one down the road a couple weeks so here we are this evening and we're going to be talking about jehovah's witnesses charles taze russell who is the founder and some of their crazy wackadoo beliefs that you know Lots of cults adhere to. There's somebody in your family, neighborhood, or a coworker that believes in some of this nonsense. So we wanted to talk about it tonight. So Caleb is trying to get the Wi-Fi to work. So he has, I think, three different woodpeckers wrapped in tinfoil flying around the cabin. <laughs> And I don't know if he's going to get his notes down off of the Google Drive. So I'm going to start kind of at the end of what I wanted to talk about while Caleb is trying to pull up his notes so we can specifically talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. So here are the basics. If you have lived in this country for more than five minutes, you've had someone knock on your door and hand you some nonsensical literature that was printed up and published in Brooklyn, New York, from what's called the Watchtower Society. That group uh, are the Jehovah's Witnesses. That is their publishing house. So they print off all kinds of materials, and they have their folks walk around and knock on doors and pass that out and try to get you to come to their little gatherings. So these folks are different from the Mormons. That is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, those groups are easily, those, those folks are easy, easily identifiable. When they knock on your door, they all match with white shirts and black ties, and they got a name badge. And uh, the name badge on it says elder, even though the kids are like, I don't know, 17 years old. But those are different folks. The, the Jehovah's Witnesses, you can identify them by the glassy, fogged-over look of confusion and fear. Okay, they don't seem to know what day of the week it is, and and they 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 are trying their hardest to control your mind so that you don't believe that they are crazy people that belong to a cult. And they focus very hard to get you to see that. It doesn't work. You see right through it. I mean, they are weird from the second they step on the welcome mat. With an introduction like that, how could you not want to listen to the next hour of radio programming? I mean, this is, this is Christian gold. So before we jump into the specifics of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and Caleb, I'm expecting you to just jump on in and interrupt me when you get those notes in front of you so we can shift gears. I wanted to talk briefly about the idea of cults. There are many. In Christianity, there are versions of Christianity that are, let's face it, not really all that Christian. And these cults come in a lot of forms, and we'll, we'll mention a, a handful of them tonight, but they all have the same attributes, every single one of them. 
And the craziest thing about the cults is when you bring up one of them, when you're talking to a member of one of these cults, they will admit that all these other groups we're talking about are just full of crazy people that have crazy ideas, but they will not under any circumstances look at their own group and recognize that they have all of the same uh, basic beliefs and crazy tendencies. So what we have is in any cult, and, and you should understand this, folks. When I say cult, understand that there are cult followings of lots of things other than churches. There are cult followings of movies. There are cult followings of rock and roll bands. There are cult followings of artists and comic books and all kinds of things. So don't think that these cult followings are only having to do with God or religion or anything like that. These are just the ones that we're going to be talking about today. So number one, the group displays an excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader. The leader is usually someone who is reasonably charismatic, definitely a strong figure, someone that's easy to follow. Uh, these folks, you know, fall right in line on the X, Y axis. As far as psychology goes, they're all the way up in one corner along with, you know, Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, Mussolini, you know, guys with pizzazz and, and they, they have a following that is, that is strong and unquestioning. So th this is what you're going to find in a cult. You're all, and these are usually their founders. That's how the whole thing started. Once they get up and running and they've been around for a couple generations, whoever's in charge of the group looks back and is like, all right, we need to eliminate a couple of these beliefs because these are nuts. But we're going to hold on to most everything. So, you know, we're going to change a couple things that really aren't working with society anymore. Like now we're going to allow black people to be part of the priesthood or, you know, maybe we'll, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that was a, that was not a specific example, Caleb, <laughs> just a hypothetical example that I came up with off yeah. the top of my head. You don't I don't run off all of the, the Mormon and the Jehovah's Witness oh. listeners on one episode here. No, using names here. I'm just saying that the leadership that founded these groups are usually very strong personalities and they don't like uh, you to question their doctrinal beliefs that they push, all of their belief systems and ideologies. They're looked at as the truth. They are looked at as the law. And here's the big one. These ideas trump the Bible. When we're talking about Christianity and groups that try to pose as Christians, the beliefs of the founders trump the word of God. So now, Caleb, understand that none of them are going to say that they don't right. believe in the Bible. They believe in the Bible. So long as it is translated correctly. <laughs> right. You might have to rewrite the Bible to make it work right. But yeah. Which is why typically they all have, number one, a prophet. And the prophet, I don't care if it's Charles Taze Russell, who's with the Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't care if it's Mary Faker Eddie, sorry, Mary Baker Eddy with the Christian Scientists or if it is Ellen White with the Seventh-day Adventists, or if it is Joseph Smith with the Mormons, or if it is the Pope with Catholicism, they all have a person who is able and has, who has been given the authority to trump God and trump the Bible. And, and they are here to help you understand the misunderstandings and misconceptions that have been going on in the world for far too long. Far too many people have just been reading the Bible and believing it on their own. <gasps> and we need to set some things straight. So God sends a prophet, and these prophets come in many shapes and sizes, but they all have their own writings. 
And every group that is a cult has a whole bunch of additional writings that trump the word of God or are on par with the word of God. So these groups have their own scriptures, if you will, that are more important than and to be believed above and beyond the Bible, because the Bible has just been misunderstood, and maybe it was translated, you know, not so well, and there are some, some, some things we just, some beliefs we just need to correct and straighten out, and that's what they're here for, and aren't we all glad that God sent them to straighten us out? So this is one characteristic that you find in all of them. Now, what's funny is when I, if I talk to a Seventh-day Adventist about this idea, they like roll their eyes and they're like, oh yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, those folks are nuts. Even though Charles Taze Russell was, you know, a Seventh-day Adventist, and that's where he got a lot of his crazy unbiblical ideas, they will roll their eyes at the idea of, you know, this false prophet with these extra biblical teachings, and that's nonsense. But my prophet with the extra biblical teaching, that's the real one, and you should listen to, to them. You know when you're in a good church when the pastor repeatedly says, don't believe anything I say. Do your own homework. Go to the Word of God and figure it out on your own. I'm not asking you to believe it just because I say it. I'm asking you to go to the Word of God and research it yourself, and that's where you're going to find the truth. Okay, and if if we find something that, you know, it doesn't line up with what I'm teaching, then I'm not too big of a man to say, you know what, looks like I was wrong with that one, and uh, we're not going to teach that anymore because I think I made a mistake there. That is not what you get in cult followings. All right, so questioning doubt and dissent are discouraged and sometimes even punished. Now, Caleb just flat out dropped off the video. I don't know if he's coming back or what's going on. He might have had to get on the roof and try to wrestle those woodpeckers with the tinfoil, you know, back into formation to see if he could get a signal out there. So in these groups, questioning doubt dissent are discouraged or even punished. There are several groups and the Jehovah's Witnesses are one of them because remember that's supposed to be our focus here. The Jehovah's Witnesses discourage anyone from reading any anti-Jehovah's Witness literature. They said, you're not supposed to look at it. You're not supposed to read it. Anything that is against the Jehovah's Witness Church, that stuff you're just supposed to throw out. You should really only be reading stuff from the Watchtower Society. That is the publishing house um, for all Jehovah's Witness literature. It's based in Brooklyn, New York. And they've been churning out, you know, the tracks and the pamphlets and the door hangers and the books and the what have you for ever. But any group says, you know, you're not supposed to look into any of these ideas. Again, folks, a healthy now understand that this is an idea that's a really good idea. Thomas Jefferson around the time of the founding of the United States of America. He used to say, you need to question everything, even the very existence of God. To say that around 1776 was insane because nobody questioned the existence of God. And his point was to tell everyone, look, You are supposed to question your beliefs, and if they are correct, if they are true, then they will hold up to scrutiny, and you'll be fine on the other side. But that's the only way we're ever going to find out if what you believe is right or wrong. And obviously, he was doing this with a political motivation behind him, trying to get the people to see that the way that things were always done and the monarchy and the king, this is not a good system and abuses were happening and he needed people to consider that there was an alternative and that was freedom. Well, in the same way, if you're a Christian, there's no harm in looking at different groups. If you understand what the Bible says and, and your faith is so weak that 
the first time you encounter resistance, the first time you encounter another idea, you are going to drop what the Bible says. Well, guess what? That was going to happen sooner or later, no matter what, because you are going to run into ideas that are the opposite of what the Bible says. My point is simply this. There is no prohibited book list at my church. There are no ideas that I don't want you to get into. There are plenty of silly ones that I don't think are biblical, but I don't see it as you need to adhere to this you know, list and stay away from the forbidden items on it. With cult, you're always going to get that. You're always going to get them telling you that any questioning is going to be met with a punishment. It's going to be discouraged. You don't question the leadership. That's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to work. That's a tough family to be raised in. You don't want that. The leadership dictates sometimes in great detail how members should think, act, feel, uh, oftentimes in these groups, the membership will have to get permission if they want to get a certain job or change jobs or date someone or marry someone or th the the group has more control over the individual than they should. Uh, and they try to impose that um, power and authority that, you know, they make up over the individual to dictate what they do, who they see, who they have relationships with, where they go, um, you know, whether to have children, how many, how you discipline them, where they're allowed to go to school, all kinds of things. You find this in uh, cult mentalities all the time. Oftentimes, the group is going to be elitist. Now, typically, you're going to find that that is going to be more behind closed doors, you know, because that doesn't go over very well as far as PR goes. But you're going to have a cult who's going to think that they are the one, they have the truth, and, and they're going to feel that they are, they're the only one with it, or they're, they're such a minority, and, and we're one of the lucky ones that, you know, has this truth. Um, and, you know, the fact is the Bible is the most uh, published and sold and stolen book in the history of the world. Lots of people have the truth in their hand. Now, a whole bunch of them don't read it and don't believe it or don't obey it, but a lot of people have it. Now, let's see what else we have. Okay, the leadership induces feelings of shame and or guilt in order to influence and control its members. And this is often done through peer pressure uh, and other subtle forms of persuasion. And isolation of its members is always a first step. That's always an important one if you are going to try to control people in any group. You're going to try to isolate them from their family that believes differently, from their friends that believe differently. Anyone that would warn them that they're in a cult and they need to check this out and they need to run away, these are the folks that the group wants to get you away from. So we are... Eh, Let's see, we're about 20 minutes in and I have no idea where Caleb is and he's not answering any text messages. And we always appreciate that level of professionalism here on Bible Thumper from our guest hosts. So let's start with the Jehovah's Witnesses. This group was founded by a fella named Charles Taze Russell, who was born back in 1852 out in Pennsylvania. His family uh, was a devout family of the Presbyterian Church. And when Charles was about 18, he encountered Seventh-day Adventist preaching and began to regular, regularly attend a Bible study. Now, something that you should know. There were three groups. Well, I don't want to get into the history of it. Um, let me just try, let me try to stick with this and and. We'll, maybe we'll circle back and okay. When he was about 18, he joined himself up with the uh, Seventh day Adventist. It was not long after that that he was uncomfortable with the doctrine of an eternal hell 
coming from a merciful God. Now, folks, let me tell you, many, many cults have formed centering their issue with Christianity on this doctrine, the doctrine of hell. The idea that hell is real, hell is eternal, hell has a literal fire. People are uncomfortable with the idea that a loving and merciful God could have created hell and could be... People have trouble accepting that God could see hell as a just and fit punishment. And many groups have split off of Christianity and started their own group, and they always remove the doctrine of hell. And we're going to get into this a little bit more specifically. But this is what started to take him away. Now, keep in mind, the Adventists don't believe in hell. And I know I'm going to have someone that says, oh, yeah, we... No, you don't. You absolutely don't. You don't believe in a literal place that has real fire, that is forever, that none of the, you don't believe that, okay? You believe in what you call soul sleep. It is nonsensical. You can't find it in the Bible. I know the one verse you try to use, okay, to support it, and it's absolutely idiotic. It is not real. Hell is talked about in the New Testament more than heaven. You got that? Go ahead and check me and tell me I'm lying. Hell is talked about in the New Testament more than heaven. It is real, and Jesus always talks about it as a real place. It is the eternal, fiery torment for the damned. That is where people go who have not received Christ as their Savior, who has not had their sins forgiven. They go to hell, and they are there forever. People have been in hell for thousands of years, and that is not even the beginning of it. It is a doctrine that is vital to Christianity. If hell is not real, then why bother? Who cares? Pile up the Bibles in the church parking lot and just light them on fire and let's stop showing up once a week. It's a waste of time. Hell is the doctrine that keeps us going that helps us to remember that salvation for every individual is important and that my life is not nearly as important as my service to the Lord by sharing the gospel with the lost, whoever they happen to be, friends, family, and strangers, because they need to be warned of this terrible, terrible place. It is hell, ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the most important doctrines in the Bible. So, this 18-year-old didn't like it, and at the same time, he adopted uh, Adventist teachings um, that, uh, we're going to skip some of that, and (laughs) what he ended up doing, uh, Charles Taze Russell, was he sold a bunch of uh, businesses that he had. I believe he had a bunch of uh, clothing stores that he uh, inherited from his father. His his father was a successful and wealthy man. And what Charles did was he uh, sold these stores and he made a substantial amount of money, uh, multiple millions of dollars by today's standards. And what he did was he committed his life to writing, publishing, and funding the propagation of the message of Christ's imminent return. And now he has a publishing company. And and this fella, uh, this guy preached and wrote constantly. His sermons were printed in several thousand newspapers around the globe, and he became one of the most famous preachers in the world. Uh, He founded the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society in 1881, and he eventually moved the headquarters of the Watchtower Society to Brooklyn, New York, where they remain today. It was not called the Watchtower Society when he founded it, but I believe the name was changed uh, to that after his death. That might be incorrect, so check me on those facts. 
he had his materials printed and i mean millions and millions of them were printed and translated into many language languages and sent all the way around the world and uh people took to it okay the literature was passed out by the membership of the uh jehovah's witness church so Charles Russell, uh, Charles Taze Russell died on October 31st, 1916 uh, in Texas. And by the time of his death, his writings had become among the most widely distributed works in the world. So uh, all of this literature was, you know, passed out and distributed and it was all done free of charge. And the members, you know, they all contributed financially to these churches and that helped them to be able to continue to, you know, print more material and send it around the world. Now, I had some Bible verses that I wanted to get to. Well, yeah, I don't know. Oh, hold on. Caleb says that he's back on. It doesn't look like he is, or at least he's not showing up on my screen. Caleb, as soon as, hold on, I'm going to refresh, and hopefully this brings you in. Um, and hopefully I don't lose the page. Let's. Okay, everybody, I'm back. Caleb is back. Can Caleb hear us? Can you hear me? I can hear you. And he's gone. Well, that was worth it. I I am just grateful for his contribution to this hour. Okay, so the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, they have several false teachings, and we're going to get into them, and we're going to do those before we talk about their problems with false prophecies. That's really, you know, one of the main issues that that, um, that church struggles with. So let's see. Um, uh, Charles Taze Russell uh, misinterpreted the Bible uh, while claiming to be a Christian he, in fact, was, uh, you know, a guy who was restoring the New Testament church, but he denied many, many key Christian doctrines, uh, including eternal punishment and hell, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, and the existence of the Holy Spirit. So, um, once again, we talked about hell. Let me just run through this. So, Russell denied the existence of hell as a place where the wicked face God's wrath. He also held that the soul simply ceases to exist after death. So, both of these doctrines are uh, found in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Any cult you run into is going to either, one, deny the existence of hell, or number two, they are going to downplay it and make it soft and make it sound like it's not that big a deal because really nobody goes there. The Seventh-day Adventists do this. The Christian scientists do this. Um, the LDS, the Mormons do this. The Jehovah's Witnesses do this. Many, many groups do this. And it makes sense because... As a Christian, it is an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of folks when the topic of hell is brought up to talk to another person who is new to the Christian faith, who is new to reading the Bible, new to going to church, and you bring up the topic of hell and you start explaining it to them. It is always, um, eh, you can see that it is uncomfortable for them to hear the doctrine because it is bleak. Really, what we all want to believe is that we're all just going to be okay. That's what we want to believe. That's what we are constantly told by so many segments of society that, oh, everything's good. You're fine. Everything's going to be okay. You know, don't worry about it, yada, yada, yada. And realistically, that is a lie. There is a coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, when we are going to cross a threshold. We are going to die, and we are going to stand before our Creator. And if we have sin in our life that has not been paid for, we get to pay for it in hell forever. The good news 
is that God doesn't want you to pay for it. And God made a way for that sin to be dealt with prior to you dying. And that was when he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And he died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus answered him again and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man shall come unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way to heaven. He is the answer, and hell does not have to be a problem. There is a solution we can have our sins forgiven. What a lot of these cults teach is that Ah, hell's not a big deal. Hell doesn't exist. Oh, the worst that's going to happen is it's like a candle. Just, you know, you blow it out and that's it. And you don't exist anymore. And But there's no such thing as eternal torment or pain or flames. None of that stuff. None of that is real. So that's one of the biggest false teachings of the Jehovah's Witness Church. Now, number two is Jesus. And wouldn't you know it, every one of these groups has a problem with Jesus as well. Folks, do you not see how this works? Jesus is God. Who is it that wants to remove the deity of Christ? It is the devil. He is the author of all of these cults. The Jehovah's Witnesses held that Jesus was a created being. This is what Charles Taze Russell believed and taught. They believe that Jesus was actually Michael the Archangel in human form. And while they did teach that this Jesus died on behalf of humanity, he also taught, Charles Taze Russell also taught that Jesus rose from the dead only spiritually rather than physically. So his resurrection wasn't really something that happened where his body came back to life and left the tomb and walked amongst all the folks and showed him the wounds in his hands and in his side. None of that really happened. It was just spiritualized. So this is another doctrine that all the cults adhere to, denying the deity of Christ. If Christ is anyone but God, then we don't have an advocate. We don't have a savior. Folks, the Romans were crucifying people every day, every day, all day long. They were constantly crucifying people. None of those people were sufficient to wash away my sins. Their blood meant nothing, along with every ram and goat and cow. None of them. The blood was not sufficient. None of it worked. It was only the blood of Jesus Christ that was sufficient and that could take away my sins. Blood, a staining agent, is what God used to clean the sin off of my soul. And it's not covered anymore. It is cleansed. It is gone forever. I don't have to worry about my sin because it has all been paid for. When I stand before God, there's not one or two that he forgot. There are not a couple that I might commit one day that his blood doesn't work on. When Jesus died on the cross, um, his blood was there for all of my sins. And when I understood who Jesus was, that he was God, that I was a sinner, and that he made a way for my sins to be forgiven, that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection uh, was all the work that needed to be done, when I believed in that, when I had that faith, I was saved. That's it. Okay, I am not putting my faith in anything else. I do not have my faith in my good works and Jesus. I do not have my faith in how much money I give to church. I don't have my uh, faith in the church that I belong to or my church attendance. My faith is not tied up in anything other than Jesus. I put all my chips on Jesus. That's what I'm betting on to get me to heaven. I'm not betting on anything else, not even a little bit. 100% Jesus and the work that he did. But if Jesus isn't God, uh, then we really have a problem. All right, let's move on down the line. Salvation. 
Jehovah's Witnesses believe that salvation requires faith in Christ. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And association with God's organization, i.e. their church. And obedience to its rules. This is another one that you constantly get into is, you know, you, you got to be part of the right church. Um, again, every cult has this belief. We are the ones with the truth. We have the only way. All the other ones are no good. And folks, I know a lot of Christian churches in this country that I would not feel comfortable going to. It's, let's say, not my cup of tea. Let's say I think they teach some things that, you know, aren't right. I think their standards are lax. I, I don't want my kids growing up uh, around the kids that go to this church, you know, and the standards they have. I don't want my kids turning out like that. And I'm, uh, there are, lot. hey, maybe you hate the music. Maybe you love the music. There are lots of things that I can disagree with when it comes to different churches. But if you believe that salvation comes some other way other than Jesus, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you believe that salvation comes some other way, some other way than the blood of Christ, well, then guess what? You're not a Christian church. If you believe that salvation comes only by Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, what he did on the cross. If you believe that, then guess what? You're a Christian church. Now, you might be a lousy Christian church. You might be a great Christian church, but you're a Christian church. That is the line in the sand, and they do not believe that. Cults always have something extra. They always have something different. They try to take something away that should be given to Christ. All glory and honor should be given to him. And they try to take some of it and say, well, it, yes, it's Jesus, but it's also joining our church. It's also being baptized at our church. It's also being part of this group. It is not. Let's see the Holy Spirit. Uh, Charles Taze Russell denied the existence of the Holy Spirit, teaching that the Spirit is not a person, but simply a name given to express a specific manifestation of God's power in denying the divinity of Jesus and the existence of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, he denies the Trinity as well. Now, in the years following the death of Charles Taze Russell, Joseph Franklin Rutherford succeeded him as the president of the Watchtower Society, despite uh, many people withdrawing from what then was called the Bible study movement. And despite those who remain splitting many times over, Rutherford's followers maintained control of the Watchtower Society and officially renamed themselves Jehovah's Witnesses in 1931. All right, let's see. All right, let's get into false prophets because this is really, you know, kind of the crux of the whole thing. And you, you find this in, in every one of these cults again. So let's turn with, uh, let's turn in our Bible to Deuteronomy 13. And we're also going to look at Deuteronomy 18. So number one, Deuteronomy 13 verses one through five. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away 
from the midst of thee. So there was a lot in that verse. I understand those, or I should say in that portion of scripture, those five verses were a little wordy. But one thing we find is that there are going to be prophets that rise up. Some of these prophets are going to be bad. Some of these prophets are going to try to talk us into worshiping other gods. Some of these prophets are going to bring up predictions, futuristic predictions that are not going to come to pass. And we read about this in Deuteronomy 18, verse 22. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. God says very clearly, when you run into false prophets, you don't follow them. You stop following them. And for that matter, it was actually a capital crime. That's why the prophet in the days of the nation of Israel, uh, you know, we're talking about in the time of the judges and the kings and Babylonian captivity and post-exile, during all of those times, the prophet was taking it very seriously when he was going to speak a word in the name of the Lord, because he was talking for God then. And he knew that if what he said didn't come to pass, well, that was going to be a real big deal because it was a capital crime. And God tells us here, if what the prophet says doesn't come to pass, it's a false prophet. It's not a God. If it's a, a false prophet who is trying to get you to worship other gods, okay, you know, you put the evil out from among you. You stone them to death outside the gate of the city. You don't put up with that. But you certainly don't join that church and stay in it. Now, the false prophecies from Charles Taser Russell and the Jehovah's Witness Church are easily checked because they have predicted specific dates for future events, such as the beginning of the millennium and the second coming of Christ. The dates have come and gone without the events occurring, causing them some embarrassing reactions and some creative explanations of, you know, how we got it wrong and what we really, you know, should have said and what we really meant. So we have several early predictions and pronouncements, such as the start of the millennium in 1872, uh, Jesus, who was going to come back in 1874. Um, in 1914, they said they would see the end of a war that would destroy the kingdoms of this world and, and fully establish the kingdom of God. And when it became obvious that the prophecies had failed and the dates, um, were wrong, they would revise them and then they would fail again later. Uh, one of the most embarrassing ones for uh, the Jehovah's Witness Church was the building of a mansion in 1929 in San Diego, California for, and I quote, faithful men of old who were soon to be resurrected to take charge of the earth. Yeah, look that one up. Uh, the house eventually became an embarrassing monument to their failed prophecy, and it was sold in 1948. The second coming of Christ was predicted to happen in 1878, in 1881, in 1914, in 1918, and in 1925, and they were all later reinterpreted. Um, you know, they would come up with whatever they could to try to keep the folks involved, because obviously the the folks that were following would have issue when when these things would happen so it'd be explained that um this was actually a test to see who the real followers were and who would you know stay on the team and uh, god was just testing us to see if we were going to be faithful or not uh in 1975 uh the watchtower had uh let's see okay in 1975 they had a real big problem. Now, the Watchtower had encouraged the folks to sell their homes and property by saying, 
Um, well, here I'm okay. The end of the world was coming. Okay. That was the idea. So, and the end of the world was going to happen in 1975. And the idea was, cause this was given, I think in, I don't have the month, but it was given a year earlier in 1974. And it was like, look, the world's going to end. So what was going on and what the church encouraged people to do was to sell their homes and their property and donate all the money to the Jehovah's witness church, because they wanted to use all this money to print as many materials as they could and get them out around the world to try to see as many folks saved as they could before the Lord returned. Okay. That was the, that was the nuts and bolts of it. And it didn't happen. So approximately a hundred thousand Jehovah's witnesses left the organization each year after 1974 or I'm sorry, after 1975, because of the failed prophecy. So they were even using these times as money-making schemes for the church. And here's the thing, whether they genuinely believe that the world was going to end or not has no bearing on the subject. They didn't receive a prophecy from God. Obviously, they lied to the people, they fleeced their flock, and they made out rich and then the date came and went and they were going to, you know, put out another date later and come up with an excuse as to why the world didn't end. So this is what you get into with the Jehovah's witnesses. Now I'll tell you this, anytime you run into one of these groups and they start talking to you, first of all, I'd recommend not talking to them. It is a waste of time. The reason I say that is because these folks have been brainwashed. I mean, their brains have been scrubbed with silly soap for so long with these ideas that they are just not seeing the light. Now, I talk to them regularly. Anytime I'm out and about and they want to have a talk, I say, hey, I'll be happy to talk with you. But I'm going to tell you this right now, you are going to leave upset with me because I know what the Bible says and I know what you think it says. See, that's the thing. I go into it. I already know what they believe. I already know everything they're going to say. I know all the questions they're going to ask. If you have a friend that's a former Jehovah's Witness and you can find these people, they're all over the place. And many of them are good, faithful Christians, members of good churches now. They will tell you, you are trained from manuals and you are given decision trees. Ask this question. If they answer this, say that. If they answer this over here, say that. And then you keep going down the road. I know what they're going to say. I've gone through it with them, you know, so many times. I have a copy of their false Bible. They rewrote the Bible and took out all the places where it suggested that Jesus was God. And they changed those places because that's not what they believe. They believe that Jesus is not God. So when I go into it with them, I tell them, look, I'm just telling you, you're going to leave frustrated because I've gone through this a thousand times, but I'm happy to talk to you. And I try to bring up as much Bible as possible because the Bible says that it is quick and powerful and sharper than to any two-edged sword. It is what is going to uh, pierce their heart. It is what is going to be powerful and the Holy Spirit is going to use it to change them. So I'm happy to talk to them, but it doesn't take long for them to understand that we are not going to change this guy's mind. So, you know, they're going to give up and then they're going to go home and they're going to write down my address on a list and make sure that nobody else shows up over there because they don't want any of their other folks talking to a guy like me. So you could talk to them if you want. Okay. And, you know, honestly, have a go at it. The, the worst thing that is going to happen is you are going to be unbelievably frustrated with these folks. They are going to challenge your beliefs. And one thing you're going to find, and this happens with every one of the cults, not just the Jehovah's witnesses. When you answer one of their questions and you say, well, what about this? The Bible says this, they are going to get backed into a corner. They're not going to want to deal with that verse and they're going to change gears and ask you a different question and say, well, what about this over here? 
hold their hands to the fire. Say, no, no, no. The Bible says this. You said this. The Bible says that. There's a difference. Which one's wrong? Tell me right now. So they get upset with these ideas. That's why they always try to change gears and they always try to uh, switch it around to uh, something else. Hold on. This froze. Bear with me for 10 seconds. Okay, everybody, we're back. Sorry about that. So if you want to jump in and talk to a Jehovah's Witness, have a time. I'm just telling you, it's going to be frustrating because you're, it's kind of like talking to a liberal Democrat who's really never, you know, looked at both sides or doesn't understand the issues or hasn't read very much or doesn't know how to think. They just know how to recite what they've been told. And they live inside of an echo chamber where they only hear one idea all the time. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what it is. When you talk to those folks, it's frustrating because you can't logically walk them through a series of questions that ends at a point that they should understand. Um, so that's the only reason that I tell most Christians, just don't waste your time on it. You're, you know, you're going to be frustrated. But with that being said, hey, you know, jump in. Uh, they are going to challenge a few of your beliefs. Uh, hopefully that'll push you back to the Bible and hopefully you have some friends who are a little more experienced in the Bible than you are and they can walk you through where you find the answers and you know what their problems are but anyway have a time with it uh, we are at 51 minutes uh, Caleb was not able to join us for any of this and that was too bad but you know that's just where we are I hope you learned something about the Jehovah's Witnesses. If you didn't, I apologize for wasting your time. I certainly had fun talking about a little bit of their history and just, you know, kind of walking you through a few of their beliefs. Keep in mind, folks, something that comes up all the time. I get some comments from some really stupid, annoying people on YouTube telling me that, you know, we should have gone into this and we should have gone into that. And it's like, guys, it's one hour. Okay. It's only an hour. We're not writing a book on the subject. If you want to do more research, do more research. We own our, and there are a lot of topics that are just a lot more nuanced and we can't get into it in an hour. So hopefully we, you know, wet your whistle and you get to think about something and uh, you will go home and do your own homework and get your Bible out and kind of, you know, read about it and study it out more on your own. That's what we're hoping for. I don't know if it happens, but that's certainly, you know, what I would like to see. I do appreciate every one of you listeners, um, especially those of you that hate me and can't stand listening to me. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for leaving the stupid comments. They are all appreciated. And folks, uh, get into your Bible. You can do it. You can get up early. You can read your Bible. You can pray every day. You can make a step forward as a Christian. You can be the Christian that you want to be, the Christian that you see and admire, you can be that person. It, it's just one day at a time. You can do it. So with that, thank you for joining us. Come back next week, every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. You can find us also on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, anywhere you find a podcast. Look up Bible Thumper Podcast and you'll find us. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, you can get on Facebook or YouTube, search for the Bible Thumper podcast, and you can watch these, these videos live. You can get on the comments section and you can ask questions and be a part of this and we can answer your questions. Uh, so that's all available. So we appreciate you. Have a great week and uh, we'll talk to you next Sunday night.